week is brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat Flip Flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with the military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. Be sure to enter the code UNITY at checkout to help support the podcast. And in support of women in developing countries, head over to CombatFlipFlops.com and become part of their unarmed forces today. Also brought to you by Heads Up Guys. Heads Up Guys is a resource providing men with information and practical tips on how to manage and prevent their depression. This is a dedicated online tool devoted to helping men get the help that they need, finding someone to talk to, and navigate difficult times. For more information, please head over to headsupguys.org. And by Beneath. Starting with the first thing that you put on in the morning, Beneath inspires you to be your most authentic self. Get ready to experience increased comfort that radically outperforms anything that you've tried before while leaving minimal impact on Mother Earth. Use the code UNITY to get 15% off at checkout at Beneath.com. That's B-N-3-T-H.com. All right, Paul, welcome to the podcast. Um, I don't know that you need an introduction, but I'm going to give you one uh, due to the fact that I feel like you you deserve the hell out of one. So you're Army Airborne, you're a Navy bomb disposal diver or work correction, shark attack survivor, TV host, actor, author, speaker. You legitimately have done everything. You've done it in a fashion with two limbs and you've done it with more... I don't know what I would even call it, courageous uh, energy, your positivity, just the way, whatever you put out in the world, you've done it with some serious pair of balls, my buddy. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't I don't even know where to start other than, uh, dude, your life, it's insane. It's, ins- it's yeah. literally insane. It's, it's, it's been exciting. It's been, uh, it's far from boring. Um, it's just taken me on some, adventures that I could never have foreseen having started out as a a troubled kid getting into mischief and you know getting kicked out of home and getting bullied and all that sort of stuff to where it is today it's it's such a stark contrast Um, and I think that's why it, it must resonate with a lot of people because many of us especially within the veteran community may have come from lifestyles like that as well um, where we had a lot of, uh, we had adventurous souls, but we weren't really pointed in the correct direction to use those adventurous souls. So we we got into mischief and we got into trouble. And you know, as you become a young adult, that becomes more serious. So we turned that adventure to the military, where they let us do illegal things for the good of all men. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I've never actually been, I've never actually heard somebody explain it that way in that sense of they just let us do illegal things and just horrible, horrible things just for uh, fun. I was thinking about it the other day and I, I was I was talking to a friend and I said, you know, I, I miss being a bad guy for good reasons. This is why you're as good as you are. This is why you get booked for speaking engagements. This is why you have an incredible book. You, the words that come out of your mouth, it's not like you're just like, you know, I do cool things. Like you have a way with your words that resonates with people. And I don't know that it's just because that you've overcome so much, but I think it's just the person you kind of are. It seems like you've had that positivity and that attitude, even though you've been in trouble and things like that. It seems like you've been able to bring yourself out. How did you, do you self-talk? Do you do types of therapy? Like what, how the hell do you manage to keep your composure the way that you do? I think I'm partially too stupid to realize that something's wrong. 
Isn't that um, all of us that serve though? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I, I don't, I don't have PTSD. Um, I don't have depression. I, I don't have flashbacks, nightmares, nothing like that. And sometimes, you know, I, I think maybe that's, there's something wrong with that. Um, because shouldn't, shouldn't there be something wrong with me? I faced, I faced most people's, maybe not most, a lot of people's worst nightmare. You know, even when people don't even go in the ocean, you know, people write to me all the time and say they have legitimate fears of sharks attacking them in the bathtub or in the swimming yes. pool and they won't even put their toes in the water. And I was unlucky enough to live that nightmare of getting eaten alive by a shark and, and having my limbs ripped off. Um, and still there's nothing wrong with me. And I don't know if that's because <laughs> I'm just a big dummy, as my mum would say, no brain, no pain. Um, or it's a simple fact that because I've been through so much stuff in life, like many of us do, I think that those struggles can forge us into a, a more uh, determined and solid weapon in the future if we decide to let them do that for us. Instead of looking at them as a negative aspect of our life, we can look at them as something that we've survived and something that has made us emotionally, mentally, and physically stronger. So when you when you were younger, I want to I want to start kind of there. I think that's like the best place to start for our listeners who don't know you. You said that you speak about being in mischief and and, and just doing things you shouldn't be doing. I mean, what was so serious that you were like the military is the only option for me? <laughs> Um, well, that came later that, that I joined the army November, 2000. Um, I was just about to turn 24 and it was basically because, uh, I, I'd, I'd left my hometown because I got jumped by 20 guys and, um, I was just getting into too much trouble. And I, I said to myself, you're going to be dead or in jail by the time you're 23. You need to get out of here. Something needs to change. So I left my hometown. I jumped into a car that I had no license for and I drove 12 hours north to a, a city called Brisbane and I started working behind a bar in a strip club and I became a rapper. And Okay, no, <laughs> stop. You don't get to just skim over that. You're like the whitest, whitest Australian that also raps. Can you, is there evidence of this that can be found? I think it's on Spotify. I'm not a hundred percent, but the song is oh, called buddy. the song is called Smoke and Hydro. Uh, so, so you might might be able to find it. I <laughs> look, am going it, to it, find it. Remember, this is 1998. I was I listening won't. to a lot of Snoop Dogg, and I don't I don't think it's that bad. Okay, I think we opened so we opened for Snoop in '98, and that was the opening song for the Snoop concert. So okay, you, it wasn't like I wasn't, just, I wasn't just like dabbling in in hip hop. I was we were rapping. We you were, were living opening, the life, buddy. Yeah, strip clubs and rap music. <laughs> I, but, for whatever reason, I can picture it, and it's the imagery is everything and more. I wish you could. The see only it thing that was missing was actual money. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. So you you was, rapped. There was no money in rappers in australia in 1998 and i don't even know if there is now but we were poor um so the only money i was making was working behind the bar in a strip club and then i quit that to focus on the music and then everyone was smoking heaps of weed and 
there was no money coming in and everything got really stressful. And as bands do, the band broke up. And that was when I had to reassess. I went back to working behind a bar and I just looked at the, the bar manager and thought, you know what, that I, what are my prospects? What am I going to yeah. do for my future? I'm, I'm, I'm 23 years old. I can't live like this for the rest of my life. I, I've always felt that there's been something greater out there in the world that I need to be doing. Uh, I just didn't know what it was. I had no idea because no one gave me the guidance when I was going through school. You know, my parents uh, and the school teachers were more focused on, you know, the, my parents were focused on my younger siblings and paying the bills. There were six of us on a policeman's wage, so we didn't have a lot of cash. And oh, just, the teachers were focused on just getting through each class. And so just no surviving one, children yeah, every day. Exactly, yeah. yeah. An all-boys Catholic, Catholic college, it's, that's mm-hmm. a, a jungle. And so no one taught me about, what you can actually do out in the world. I thought, okay, you, I think of the jobs that I see day to day. I could be a, a garbage collector. I can be a doctor. I can work pensions. in a store. What's that? They get pensions though. I mean, they're not, they're, they're, some of those, like I get what you're saying. They're not. Oh, like, I didn't know anything about pensions. I was just thinking about oh, what am I going to do for a job like for the enough. next yeah, 10, 20 years. So I was just thinking about what am I going to do that's going to fulfill me and make me feel like I'm, I have purpose and I have value. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my two younger brothers had joined the army before me and they were in artillery. And so I was curious and I called them up. Hey, and I said, oh, I'm, a gun, I'm a gun buddy. Uh, you're an arty. I'm an arty, arty, arty. Um, well that so they made that horrible decision before you and then you're like let's follow in those footsteps because they feel like hearing damage and concussion syndrome is like the right path for you okay cool yeah well they no there were they said whatever you do they said look it's a good life you get paid to travel you get paid to play sport you get paid to blow shit up you get you know it's paid to hang out with your friends it's it's a good life but just don't join infantry we know you, Paul. We know you. It's too hard. You won't make it. You're not disciplined what? enough. And so the next week I joined infantry. Oh, boy. That's yeah, you can't have about. your baby brothers telling you what to do. Well, no, because if that happens, it's embarrassing. And then you grow up to be people like you. And then I find out all your dirty stories. And then I'm going to tell everybody, well, well, Paul was being a little bit of a pussy that day. And sometimes yeah. that's just what happens. No, but that's you had so you had siblings in the military. Did you have any uh, like other family cousins, uncles, aunts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my mom's dad jumped into Normandy with the um the oh, wow. the, the British anti aircraft gunners. Uh, my nan, his wife, was in the air force. Um, my nan on my dad's side was in the air force. I think she was a nurse. My dad's dad my grandfather was actually a merchant navy but his ship got sunk by a japanese submarine so he ended up spending uh, a couple of days floating through the south pacific got picked up with by a a u.s navy warship and ended up serving out uh, a period of time as a cook and ended up getting an american uh, service medal holy wow whoa i didn't see that all coming i normally get like yeah with my uncle yeah, he did this. Yeah. Holy <laughs> oh, shit. My uncle was my uncle was a medic oh. in, in Vietnam as well. How dare you leave out the Vietnam? That's just I a know, fact. I know. Oh, you I never slap yourself with that. No, nope, my... but I I really didn't know about any of this until I joined the military. Before I joined the military, it was all about Paul. I was a very oh. very inward looking person, 
what what can I get? What how am I going to survive? You know, because that's what it was all about survival. Because I didn't mm-hmm. have anything. I didn't. I flunked high school. I got kicked out of home. I didn't have any career prospects. So it was all about survival. I was selling weed. I was taking drugs. I was doing all manner of nasty shit. Um, And so it was all about me. It wasn't until I I joined the army that I learned about being of service and Mm -hmm. that, that changed everything for me. I just on, honestly, from watching your face, just from the the reaction of when you talk about when you're young, you almost sound, I don't say disappointed in yourself because you're like, you just seem like the person now that was the person who was groomed to be in the military, to be a service member, to be a person who gives and gives to their community constantly. But to hear that that didn't come until your early 20s, I mean, that's pretty impressive turnaround because that's not normally by that point, that late in your life, you don't expect to see somebody who's always been that inward facing person to be then, you know, committing their life to service the way that you have. And so it shows the the strength of what the military, that brotherhood and that community can really do for someone who is struggling with finding that purpose. Um, so I always, I always love hearing that, that it was like a positive reason and that you just kind of, you just went for it and it ended up being, you know, your younger brothers that kicked you in the ass, which is fantastic. I love yeah, that. That's yeah, amazing. I'll, I'll, I'll always be grateful to the army specifically, you know, the military in, in a broader sense for uh, teaching me how to be a real man how to be a valuable member of society, allowing me to serve my country. Um, you know, I wore that that uniform with absolute pride. It gave me that value and the purpose that I was looking for, uh, and a steady steady paycheck. Right. right? For, a, for a for an adventurous soul running around carrying a machine gun, a pistol, rocket launchers, <laughs> blowing shit up, throwing grenades, hanging out with your mates, doing sniper training, all that that was just the business. Um, but then after a while it, it it wore thin and I went, I went looking for the next adventure. Um, so I I was airborne for about five years and I deployed with the UN to a a small island nation called East Timor, where the Indonesians had been invading and slaughtering these people in the tens of thousands. And so we went out there as a multinational force, um, and basically stopped that which wasn't that hard because they thought we ate babies um, and we didn't oh. we didn't prevent them from believing that either. I was right? just going to say, why would you, would you say, if somebody walked and you said, you eat babies? It's like, well, I didn't say yeah. no and I didn't say yes. It's on your mind to think that. Oh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with a little psychological warfare to keep you alive. Oh, it's my favorite. <laughs> I love it too much. It's, 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 a, it's a great thing. Um, continue, continue. Sorry, I like to cut people off. It's a bad habit. That's all right. That's all right. Um, and so I came back from that and it felt I felt fulfilled because I was actually doing my job for real. It wasn't running around the Australian bush with the the deadly snakes and the deadly spiders and the scorpions and being hot and filthy and dirty just on repeat every year. It was finally doing it for real. And so I came back and I wanted to do it for real. And I was away on an exercise with my, um, my company and the, the, the boss of the company called me up uh, through the, the company sergeant major, which was strange enough as it was. Um, mm-hmm. He's like, hey, hey, my nickname was Dutchy because my last name is Dutch. Uh, he's like, hey, Dutchy, the boss wants to speak to you. And I'm like, what? Uh, like, you shouldn't a, want to talk to me. I'm a private. Okay. Yeah, don't so, talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> why does the captain want to talk to me? I'm, this can only be bad. And so I'm like, hey, 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 g'day, sir. What's up? And he's like, hey, g'day, do you want to go? You want to go to the sandpit? 
And I'm like, fuck yeah, I do. He's like, all right, pack your shit. You're coming back to the battalion. You're, you're heading away on uh, pre-deployment training. So I'm like, fuck yes, this is it. <laughs> so I head back, pack up. There's only me and five guys going from uh, from my unit, and there's a bunch of pogues as well. Uh, I don't know if you guys use that term, pogues. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, track. <laughs> and so uh, we go through all the pre-deployment training. You know, I'm learning Arabic. I got my desert cams, all that, that, all that business. Um, and then four days before we leave, they call us all into a meeting room and say that the, the infantry guys aren't going. And so we're understandably crushed. It's like they're uh, left, yeah. left at the altar four days before we, and we're like, what? And obviously they don't give you any answers because so, they don't. That's above your pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we went out that night and got thoroughly shit lockered uh, at the bars. <laughs> And turned up the next day drunk as a skunk. Um, I, yeah, I couldn't even understand English that day. The, the, the mm-hmm. CSM was yelling at me to take my my maroon beret off, and I'm like, ah, beret. So anyway, beret. I went to the went back to the battalion, just just pissed. And I'm like, fuck this place. I want to go somewhere that gets deployed. And yeah. so we were just about to go to New Caledonia on a, an exercise with the the French military. And we were doing a, a practice of um, uh, evacuating foreign nationals and expats. And okay. to do to, to go in a helicopter over water, uh, understandably, they put you through Hewitt training. I don't know what you guys mm-hmm. call it, helicopter underwater escape training. You, yep. you do it in a swimming yeah. pool. So yeah. when I did that, loved it because I grew up swimming. Um, army people, renownedly poor swimmers, and so. <laughs> They had these guys on safety for it, you know, on the on their dive sets, and I'm like, "How do I get this fucking job?" Just oh, right. Sure. What else do they do? Because yeah. surely they don't just have these dudes scuba diving in a swimming pool their whole career. So there's got to be some more to this. And so I get talking to them. They're like, "Oh yeah, we're clearance divers." And I thought, well, "I've heard of these guys. I don't know much about them. I know they're a bit special. I know no one looks directly at them." Don't look in their eyes. Don't yeah, look don't in their eyes. eyes. Yeah. No. They and steal so your souls. It sparked this curiosity in my mind. And it was funny because I went back to the battalion and my buddy from a different company was like, hey man, I'm super excited. I'm gonna go and join the clearance divers. I'm like, whoa, this is this is we twice. Can do this? this is twice in a week this has come up. And I'm I'm a firm believer that when something continuously comes up in your world, you need to listen to the universe because it's speaking to you for a reason. And so I thought, fuck it, I'm going to do it with you. And so uh, we looked it all up, and it's pretty crazy. Um, he pulled out last minute because he, someone told him that if you don't pass selection, then you stay in the Navy, and all you're going to do is paint ships. And I was like... And he was like, yeah, I'm going to fall for that? Yeah, yeah. I was like, that doesn't sound right. So anyway, <laughs> I went through with it because I was sick of the Army. I was sick of being yeah. dirty and smelly, and I needed something right. better. I needed to test myself. I was like physically one of the the top in the battalion, like really good runner, swim, all that business. Um, I was an okay soldier. I wasn't going to say I was great, um, but okay, I, I you had I, swimmer. You had you had your wins. You don't need to do yeah. everything. There's yeah, always I those, could, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I looked into it. It took a year for my my service transfer to go through, which was frustrating as shit, but I used it as um, positive time to train and train and train. 
because I knew what was coming. Uh, and then I went on the first phase of Navy Divers course, which is just simply to learn to scuba dive and search mm-hmm. for limpet mines on the, the hulls of ships, do seabed searches. And I, I passed that by the skin of my teeth. And then it was on to Navy Diver Selection. And that was like one of the hardest things I've ever done. Well, so they might as well have been considered uh, like one of the, you know, ranger seal training at that point. If you're doing a selection for something, you're not, you're not just like, I'm going to sign up and learn how to dive. Like oh, it's yeah, one no. thing to do the diving portion. It's great. Cause at the, at the worst, you got your diver's license. The second is now you got to go through this shit hell where you can see if you actually survive. And if you do great, yeah. if not, well, then you wasted a whole year with the transfer. I was going to ask with the transfer, what happens when you guys are waiting on transfers like that? Are you allowed to like, leave or work like what's how does that work for you guys i know it's different in different countries um you basically stay with your company and you go on every single exercise and every single training and you get zero time to do any focusing on your next job that you're trying to go for oh that makes sense yeah that's right yeah, that's right. That's yeah. Right. so okay. there was like it was like four weeks out from when i was going to go on course and i hadn't done i i've been on every exercise i was like just emaciated because obviously you're not yeah. getting good nu- nutrients out in the bush. And so I went to my boss, I went to the um, the company commander and I said, look, sir, the, we, on the base we have this thing called the RI store, the regimental store um, run by soldiers and it's where soldiers can go and pick up some kit. You go and get mm-hmm. a new pack and get some new yep. boots, whatever you want. Um, and so I asked him if I could go down there and he was humming and hoeing about it for a while and I was, he's like, all right, look, I'll make you a deal. we got the swimming carnival the cross-country carnival, and the athletics carnival coming up. If you help us win all three, you can go down <laughs> to the RR store. <laughs> what a dick. I know. So we won all three. Um, a boy. Yeah. Look, it wasn't, it wasn't me. I just helped. Like, I, you know I, what? We're going to pretend right now this is the Paul show. So we're going to pretend <laughs> it was all Paul. Paul did it all single-handedly. Yeah, No totally. jokes. Yeah. No jokes. They just put, put Paul in. That's um, it. But yeah, so that worked out well. I had four weeks to train my absolute ass off for the 10-day selection uh, called uh, CDAT, Clearance Diver Acceptance Testing. Um, it's just like ten, enough. 10 days of pure mental, physical, and emotional anguish. Uh, and then, and, yeah, so that was cool. It was like, it's character building, as they say. Right? Uh, nearly drowned. I had saltwater asphyxiation for a day because we had to, the first night you've got a, sw- you've got a fin on your back with all your mates, arms linked in wetsuit and fins from, from a place called Mossman where the dive school is all the way to Manly Beach. And it takes six hours to get there and back. And that's night one. Uh, and that afternoon, previously, you had already done a five-hour trail run. Uh, and so most people, I, I think we started with 34. Uh, I think half of them quit after the five-hour trail run because we did it for two and a half hours. And it's, you know, fireman's carries and sprints up yep. and down hills and Indian file continuously for two and a half hours. And then they got back. It was dark. And they said, all right, guys, you've got five minutes to stretch up. We're doing it all again. And so people just start handing in their neon vests, say, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. There's no way I can do that. And so we did that. And then, <laughs> then you got a six-hour swim that night. And that, that sets the mood for the whole thing. That's your days. tone for the week. It feels yeah. like it's the right – yeah, I, I feel like if I want to set the tone for the week, I don't know that I would do, I would do that. But I do – it's honestly a shock that you didn't get attacked then. Like, yeah. 
Uh huh. That's what I thought too. I, I was like, oh, I would hate to be the guy on the ends of the line. Oh, just horrifying. Um, oh, just a pitch black, nothing but a, a safety boat with just a torch. Quiet. On and, yeah, just yeah, the uh-huh. quiet in the waters over your head. You're like, it's any time now. It's any time now. And you're so exhausted. You're falling asleep, kicking. You wake up with water coming in your mouth, but your legs are still kicking. Like you're the rest of the your legs are going. Yeah. The rest of the week, you wake up in the middle of the night, kicking the bunk above you. See, I would, I would, I would have been, pay, I would have paid to be the guy with the flashlight. I would have just enjoyed that far too much. <laughs> I think there's a sociopathic tendency there that I need to look into because that's quite concerning. Um, oh yeah, later, later in in my career, I got to be on the, the the staff on the selection courses and stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. So it all comes around. Yeah, absolutely. It all comes around. So then, when you did that, though, so you finished your selection. So it was shit. It was basically your. It was hell week for a little bit longer. Is what hell most Americans with- call. Hell, hell week with tears of joy at the end. Yes, when I you, like when that. you pass, you know, we started with thirty four. I think ten of us passed, uh, so everyone was like stoked and on a high. And then you go on a forty nine week uh, training course, so it's um you learn to do because in in America you guys specialize a lot because you have so many people. Don't you Whereas, guys me? Sorry, America, I am sorry, you're very Canadian and very <laughs> proud of that. And I like to make that distinction very obvious. Did, did okay, I'll give you, one. give you one. Did you serve in the American or the Canadian military? I served in the Canadian uh, with uh, the, my artillery unit was from Vacaissé in Quebec, out East Coast. Oh. And then I, we were the only Canadian unit to be attached to the 101st in Afghanistan, like on the guns. So we had two M777s attached to them. So there was like a small gun troop. And then I, so I did all the American, I did, oh, nope. I worked with all the Americans there. <laughs> I, 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 oh, there's a slip. You did, you didn't, I know you probably didn't listen to my podcast with Nate Boyer, but I, I accidentally said rub and tug while I was talking to him about something. So <laughs> shit could be worse. Listen, Paul. So, so no, I worked with them and then I got borrowed by the Black Watch. And then okay. I went. And then I went with those guys um, as and played infantry for a, a minute there. Very cool. But I'm Canadian. But All it's okay. Right, so Us Americans, guys. Americans. Well, even Canadians, you have a much larger population than we do. Although American uh, Canadians do have clearance divers. Um, yes. Americans do not because everyone specializes. You've got Navy divers and I think you've got EOD divers and you've got tactical guys like the SEALs, whereas we don't have that many people. So clearance divers have to be able to do everything. We just, So 49 weeks is like learn to drive the boats to start with, which is a good start. Um, oh, it's a great start. Yeah. And then you're doing mine countermeasures. Um, then you're doing underwater battle damage repair. So mine countermeasures we're using, I think Americans call them Mark 16s. We call them the A5800, minimum magnetic, um, fully mixed gas rebreathers. Then we do um, maritime tactical operations, so O2, attack diving and reconnaissance swimming, um, underwater battle damage repair using the diamond tip chainsaws, the pneumatic drills, all that sort of stuff to repair ships in wartime. Um, then we do e- uh, basic DEMS, EOD, um, and a couple of other little things along the way. Uh, so 49 weeks, it's really hard. Um, you know, some of the, the, the weeks on maritime tactical ops are just as hard as going through selection. And so it, it really builds you and, and molds you into a solid team. Uh, and then you go off to your dive. Once you pass that, you go off to your dive teams. There's team one in Sydney and team four in Western Australia. They always say team one for fun and team four for war. Um, <laughs> oh 
And then there's a sprinkler. Well, Sydney's the best place in Australia to live. So why wouldn't you want to live that? Go live well, there and have fun. That's what. That's why they call you that. That's why I yeah. named that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a sprinkling of clearance divers on the mine hunter warships. Um, some at the you know some got to run the dive school. There's yeah. a couple up on like maybe four or five on, in a place called Cairns up on mm-hmm. the Barrier Reef because there's so much ordnance washes up there apparently um, from World War Two and all that. Like it, it's just, you know, it's been stuck on the Great Barrier Reef and then a storm yeah. will come through and break yes. it off and you'll have, you know, a, a World War Two mine floating around just off the coast of Sydney. So the Feels guys right. will go out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You get to go out and have a jolly dive and blow some shit up. Oh, my God. See, that's what I feel like I, I would. I wish I would have known more about. I did, I did that whole I'm going to leave my small town at 17 and join the army at 18. I'm just going to sign up for some shit because whatever's deploying, I want to sign up for. <laughs> and I did that. So I became an artillery gunner real quick and the rounds are the same size as me. So it literally was the worst decision I could have made. It was that or infantry. So I don't know if there's something to be said with people who just feel like they need a, a direction in their life. And then they're like, infantry feels right. Yeah. Feels right. Well, if, you, if you're going to join the army, you join as a soldier normally because that's okay. what you, that that's the glory role, you know, yeah. saving Private Ryan. Or, oh, yeah. Or some, you know, Heartbreak Ridge. It's the it's the soldiers. It's the grunts they make the movies about, oh. not, the log, not the logistics. Not the officers. Well, not the officer, well occasionally. Well, well, it depends on the officer. It depends how lost they got you. It depends how many people they got killed. So it just really depends yeah. really on the yeah. officer. <laughs> the, the funny thing was that I, I left the army to go to a unit that got deployed and then I never got deployed and all my army friends went to Iraq and Afghanistan like four times. <laughs> oh, you know what I feel like? I feel like you were just never meant to deploy. Are you not seeing the signs on the wall here, buddy? Like four days well, look, before? If, if this shit can happen to me at home. This shit can happen to me. Pro- <laughs> so- my, when, when I joined the army, my friends parents were so worried because they knew they used to give me plastic cups when i'd go around their house because i was so clumsy that i could always break their glasses and the fact the fact that they'd have three gelder boys with guns in the australian military and yeah and then my sister joined so oh so there's a sister yeah but my baby sister she's the only one still in she's a officer nurse now she uh deployed to iraq deployed to Afghanistan three months after I got attacked by a shark she was in Afghanistan with my two navy diver uh, mates to save my life uh, on fighting patrols outside the wire so she, why the fuck she's, am I talking to you where's your sister? oh you should talk to her she was all over the newspapers they call her Roger Jackie. That. She, she's have, about I'm, us I'm sorry but you and, and while we're recording you need to let me talk to her she sounds like my my spirit animal I want to talk yeah. to her yeah, she's a badass. She doesn't I like she was so uh, popular in the Australian realm of um women in combat and but she just didn't want to have any part of it. I, I told yeah. I was making bucket loads of money talking to corporations all over Australia, um yeah. killing it. You know, I was working a tenth of the time making ten times the money. And I was trying to convince her to do it because p- companies were asking me to reach out to her and she's just she doesn't want to do it. She's just really? not interested. No, I don't know you if know she's what? ever done a podcast. She's just she because she was a medic and then she yeah. did officer changeover. So now she's an officer nurse running running the shit. So I don't know if she's just at all interested in this stuff. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I can, I can get it. I've been in a similar situation, and and I, you know what, I figured out real quick. If I don't just embrace the shit of the people that are constantly trying to ask me questions, I'm gonna go crazy because I feel like there's there's a certain level of like um, be surviving a certain amount of shit. I feel like should be a way to help others in some level. It's not for everybody. Not everybody is an outward facing want to, you know, tell their story and, and use it. But I'm sorry, she sounds like a true badass and I will hunt her down, find her and force her to have a conversation with me because she really she is. sounds she sounds yeah. like a we need we need uh I say we because I I'm of the, the female variety. We need more women like I that. can tell so by like, the hat. Right? This is an Australian brand, my brother. Ah, that's why I like it. I'm right. It's hundred percent Australian wool. They don't even sponsor me. I'm trying to get them to, but they're called lack of color. <laughs> they nice. are from Australia and apparently they don't like my approach to harassing them. So either oh, way, I'm going to keep wearing the hats. Well, I make, send them makes it look like you should be living in Nashville with your whole get up here. Like you, you should be playing uh, the banjo in a Nashville band. I'm wearing a fucking I'm wearing a goddamn, what are these things called? I make these. I don't know what they're called. I'm wearing a wallet chain. I don't belong in Nashville. I belong on a motorcycle. <laughs> you need to okay, figure it out. I couldn't see the wallet chain, all right? Well, that was my mistake. You know what? That's embarrassing, Paul. I'm going to have to send you wallet chains now. Fuck. All right, just... I'm, hanging up. I'm hanging up now. You know what? <sighs> this has just gone sideways so goddamn quick. Your sister <laughs> look, is who I want to chat with. Yeah, look, you know what? I didn't want to talk either to begin with. Like, I know I you was... didn't. I was more terrified of public speaking than I was of sharks. You know what? I can't picture it. I can't. You grew up now, in Australia. I quit. I quit an IT course when I was nineteen because they made me speak in front of the class. Really? Actually, yeah, was, you are. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I don't well, like I, it. I didn't I have a lot of confidence because I was bullied all through school because uh, I was really short, really skinny, had big ears because I had no body fat on me because it was swimming five times a week and a face full of freckles with a big dog bite scar on my nose. And so I was a little insecure and then the bullying and the tormenting didn't help and so I had no confidence. None at all? No. Really? No, like, Just nothing? Yeah. I I had to – when I was rapping, I would be so – shit locker drunk i could barely remember the words i needed to say to get the confidence so that, to i was gonna say you're a rapper you performed for snoop dog and you have no confidence like i i, I, I have a so drunk <laughs> fucking just tuned just just, just so, gone yeah. but i i, I want to now i want to find i wonder well that was that far back then that you opened for snoop dog there wasn't iphones you're so lucky buddy I'm the only one that has the VHS cassette of it. You and have it's a in, copy? Yeah. It, I think it's at my sister's house in Sydney. I am going to send my friend <laughs> with your sister and I'm going to get my hands on that. I'm going to try and get it. I'm going back to Australia in March to shoot for Shark Week, so I'm going to try and get that. Okay. Uh, it's either with my mom or it's with my sister. I don't know. But, yeah, I really want to get that and have that transferred to CD. You need to, and then I need to have a copy, please. And I won't share it. <laughs> I, I won't share. Back up. I won't share it for like until you tell me I can uh, share it. But I want I to like, absorb that. I, I look like a different that. person. I can I only imagine. Like a different person. Did you have hair? No, I haven't had hair since I was sixteen. What's you just? That was it. Yeah, a bunch of us, um, a bunch of my friends. We, I had a growth spurt about seventeen. 
and mm-hmm. I knocked out the school bully because I, I start, had a growth spurt, started doing kickboxing because I was getting picked on. Um, yep. and got, uh, the bully at school called my mum a fucking slut, and so I went oh. down and, and elbowed him in the head and knocked him out in front of the whole school, and no one ever picked on me again. Um, and so, it's justified. It's justified. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, what was the question again? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so me and my friends went home from school one day, all shaved our heads, and I just never grew it back. And you're like, I'm just going to run this. And I, I love it because you run the beard, which which just is like, I can grow a hair. I choose not to. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I got a little, little stubble up there. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting old now. I got some some white whiskers coming through, the, the deep you know? red. Uh, what is it? So black and and gray hairs are salt and pepper what's red and gray hairs i don't know i don't know but i see i i see it and i know what you're saying i know it's like ginger what is that we got like call you like pumpkin spice like Um, yeah we (laughs) all the girls like pumpkin spice spice. i'll run with that bro see i already locked you down i am the best wingman already (laughs) look at me go i've already nicknamed your beard for you you can walk into people like i know you like pumpkin spice what do you think of this Uh Uh yeah i can get real weird real quick it's kind of yeah. a little long, a little longer than what I normally have. Well, for it's, your, it's, it's not a good beard. It's not a good beard. It's not like a a handsome Viking beard that you can strike. It just goes. But but here's the thing: you got to get it past the point that it goes poof to get it to go down. You got to get like uh, you got to get like the people with like the beard oils. You gotta yeah, I've seen very- I've seen them. Some of my friends are on Instagram um, oh. liking the 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 beard oils and. They look like legit Vikings. I did a show for Shark Week where I did grow it out, and yeah. it wasn't good. And then the PR lady, uh, when Shark Week came along, the PR lady said, hey, Paul, um, so I'm promoting you for all these TV shows, Good Morning America, Today Shows, as the, as this handsome Australian. But you kind of look like you just drag yourself out of the bush. Do you think you could shave that beard off? And I was like, Laurie, I've already done it. You're like, Laurie, I love it. Because my approach would have been, listen, Paul, we know you like the beard. You know it makes you feel strong inside. But I need you to just fix your face real quick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just If you could just fix just fix the majority of it, we can sell you better that way. Yeah, yeah. I can understand that conversation. Yeah. I sense. did like it, though. The longer it got, the more I liked it. And I wanted it to keep going. But... Discovery Channel made me shave it off. Well, yeah, I want to – oh, my God, I only got you for 20 more minutes. I'm terrified. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I, need to, I need to tell you right off the bat, you need to stop talking about how you get to go do Shark Week because people like me, me, who have been obsessed with sharks since I've been this big and it's yeah. my spirit animal and I want to grow into a great white one day. I don't know how, but I'll figure it out. Don't talk to me about getting to go do that. It crushes my fucking soul. I'm but so did you jealous. Die? Say again. But did you? But did you die? Did I die? What? Did I die did not getting to go dive with sharks? Did you die? Did oh. you sacrifice to be a part of it? <laughs> I fucking will. Tell me what I tell me what I have to do. What do I need to do? I'll make that shit happen. I don't know. I, maybe I should. Maybe I should try bro. and write a, a, a veterans shark week episode. <laughs> Paul, Paul, Paul! I don't think you know right. what just happened. You think you I'm know kidding? What, uh, that, the hardest part of the, uh, the Shark Week shows is creating a name. So if you could come up with a, a great, hooky, pitchy Shark Week name, 
to include veterans, then I will write it up and I will submit it to Discovery Channel. How about Mate, that? I got that fucking dial to come in at the end. Let me get my manager on the phone after this. We'll have a conversation. Right. I told my husband, he goes to me, don't harass him about sharks. Don't do it. Don't, <laughs> don't bug this man about his life in sharks. And I said, no, he, I don't care who you get to hang out with. You could have the coolest friends. You could be living the life, doing what you're doing, like getting to talk into all these people, share your life story. But what it comes down to is you get to fucking look face to face with these beautiful, incredible creatures. And the level of jealousy that I have for that, just like seething. So uh, I just, I, I'm telling you, I, I know. It sounds you, painful. It is. It hurts my soul. It's the, I don't yeah. have much of one left, but the, the yeah. tiny sheer <laughs> amount the yeah. deep dark blackness is like cry belong in the ocean. Maybe you shouldn't ask me about it then because it's really, really fucking good. Okay, well, let's talk about it because I want to talk about it. Okay, I can't help myself. <laughs> Tell me about it. Okay, I know you sacrificed a lot for it. First off, uh, a nine foot bull shark. I know you've told this story before, um, but holy hell. What? Yeah. You, so you were clearing, you were diving, you were working. What happened? Oh, shit, that worked, that one. Um, no, not not at all. Why would you say yeah, that, Paul? Yeah, that one sucked. That's one for the books. Um, <laughs> uh, we were doing a counterterrorism training exercise. Um, the R&D department of the military wanted to trial unmanned video and sonar equipment. So the goal was we would act as attack swimmers, uh, attack divers on scuba, and then attack divers on O2 rebreathers to see if this equipment could detect our movements on the surface and then the sonar could detect us under the water. Didn't quite make it even halfway through that uh, because we turned up for the first morning. I threw my new guy in because he's the new guy. That's just how it works. <laughs> no explanation uh, needed. Yeah, so get in. Um, then it was 30 minutes later, the sun started to come up and I was in my wetsuit. I'm like, ah, it's getting warm. You get out, I'm taking over. And I was in for about five minutes. And they would just they just leave this equipment going and it's supposed to like track you and film you and stuff, uh, which it was doing. And I was in the water for about four minutes and uh, just got smashed in the back of the leg by what I didn't even know. I was I was on the surface on my back looking in the other direction okay. and it, it, it hit me and I turned back around and just saw this massive head attached to me. And I'd never even seen uh, a large, dangerous shark before. I've seen little ones with no teeth. Well, I've seen like wobby gongs. They don't have teeth like the carpet sharks. I've seen Port Jacksons. They're cute. They don't have any teeth. I've never seen anything like we swim mostly at night or in murky water in the Navy. So we get bumped by stuff, but you just pretend. But you don't actually. It was a friend. No, it was just that was something else. That was one of those bumpy animals. Yeah. and Your explanations so, are great. Yeah, you just don't. You, it's like everything I do. Just don't think too much about it, then you don't need to worry about it. Oh my god, your mentality hurts me. It's just, it's. I'm a simple guy with a simplistic mindset, and it's got me this far. So I'm just going to keep rolling with it. Ride it out, yeah. brother. As <laughs> as my one of my best buddies Hutto would say, just wing it, Dutchie. Just wing oh, it. Oh, that's so Australian. It hurts. Yeah, just wing so, it. Um, so it, it, it grabbed me. I didn't know what to do. Um, it, it felt like we stared eye to eye for a couple of seconds and then my survival instincts kicked in and I thought, I've seen the crocodile hunter. I'll jab it in the eyeball, <laughs> but it had my hand. It had my hand. So I couldn't, I could, I looked down and I was trying to 
get my hand out and I could see the teeth embedded into my wrist. And every time I pulled it, I could see the the teeth tearing the flesh. So it um, got you on the bottom, and then when you spun around, it grabbed your arm. No, so it, I was on the surface on my back, my yeah. hands by my side, and it oh. grabbed me by the back of the hamstring and got my hand in the same bite. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Cause did it bite you again? Because that's not often that they no. come back and do that again. Yeah, that was just one bite, and it held on. And so I thought, I'm thinking left hand, so I tried to go for the eye, but I couldn't reach it. I grabbed it by the nose and I tried to lever it off me, but that just yeah. pushed the teeth of the lower jaw deeper into my leg. And so I went to punch it in the nose like you always mm-hmm. do. But just as I was about to do that, I guess it decided that I was food and it started to like do the thrashing thing where, you know, its teeth work as a sore and saw all the way through. And it took me underwater and I was in agony, screaming. I got water in my lungs and I'm just thinking I'm dead. There's no way I can get out of this. I'm a freaking rag doll. And I realized, uh, and I said to myself, well, you're not going home today. You're going to die right now. And if all this happens like so quickly. Our, our minds and our bodies are such incredible tools. Like this is milliseconds that I'm thinking all yeah. of this. And I thought, okay, am I ready to die? And I look back on my life starting out, you know, being that kid that got picked on and, and, didn't have the cool stuff and got into trouble and was smoking weed and drinking and fighting and taking drugs and to what I'd achieved in mm-hmm. my life, being at the pinnacle of the Navy with the clearance divers. And I thought, you know what, I've lived 10 lives in, in these 31 years. I've done more than I could ever have hoped for in my life. And I feel like I've made up for all the bad that I've ever done. If I'm going to die right now, then I'm good to go. And so I just let go and started to wait to drift away. And that was when the shark, the teeth made it all the way through my leg and ripped my whole hamstring out of my leg. And because I had my wetsuit on, it made me buoyant. And so I popped to the surface and the fresh air flooding in my lungs brings me back to reality. And I think, fuck, I'm not dead. I better get (laughs) out of here before the shark comes back. So I start to swim, but my hand's gone. And my wetsuit ends at the end of my forearm. And so my medical training kicks in. I think you know, I've got to keep that wound above my heart to stem the mm-hmm. bleeding. So not knowing what was going on with my leg, I, I couldn't even feel my right leg. All I, all I knew was that my hand was gone and I, can only, I only have two limbs to swim back to the boat mm-hmm. through a pool of my own blood. Um, I couldn't see it. I'm just focusing on my buddies in the That's safety That's how far boat. away they- it was. Yeah, they were about 200 meters, so like 600 feet away. So they're gunning it towards me. They said that when they got in close, they could see I was swimming through a pool of my own blood, and it was so thick they could taste it in the air when they were pulling me out of the oh, water. Oh, I know that. I know yeah, that. that. Like that metallic um, taste. Yeah, the yeah. iron taste. Yeah. Um, and so luckily they got to me first, pulled me out of the, the water and did first aid. And... Um, they kept me alive until the paramedics got there. So we were right alongside the big Navy base in Sydney. This is the first shark attack in, in Sydney Harbour in 60 years. Um, no clearance dive has ever been attacked. So this wasn't even on our radar. And so I was just going to say, you think there'd be some precautions for this. I mean, you guys dive at like with the most shark infested waters on a regular basis. I would figure there would be some type of safety diver or something while you're doing this. Um, well, we weren't diving. That was the thing. It was just a surface swim. We were just so, swimming. 
Yeah. And so normally, you know, we'll, at, for, before a dive, we'll have our safety briefing. We'll pull out the whiteboards and it'll all be written up. And there is one section there that has DMA, dangerous marine animals. And all it ever says, all it's ever Sharks. said is if you encounter dangerous marine animals, show extreme caution. That's it. That's, that's oh, the, the military. That's, that's the training we got. We didn't even have tourniquets. We didn't even have a, a, a first aid kit. We had like we had an oxyviva, so an oxygen tank, and that yeah. was it. No, no one has even years after my shark attack, the military wouldn't give us uh, uh, tourniquets. It's a fucking band, and it's not even expensive to provide. Yeah, yeah, they, they had their reasonings, but no, it's the okay. It's, Navy divers in the most shark-infested waters. We don't need a tourniquet because, God forbid, somebody gets bit. It's yeah. common sense. Yeah. So they took off their T-shirts, jammed it into the wound in the back of my leg, and then used the straps from a life jacket to tie it in there and tourniquet my leg. Um, but they got me up to the wharf, up to the, the big pier. My chief was up there on Overwatch. He came down. He thought I was already dead because I was so pale that, like, the boat was an inch deep in my blood. Um, then he, he saw me move, and he's like, oh, shit, he's not dead, but he saw – Artery blood squirting out of my leg. I was just going to say, did they get, did he, did the shark, he, apparently it's a he, clip your artery. Yeah. <laughs> clip your, clip your artery. He got, femoral. he got some artery. He didn't get my femoral. He missed that by like a couple of millimeters, which is because oh, I would have oh, bled out and died out straight away. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it did get another artery. I don't know what it's called, but he okay. said he saw squirting blood. So he grabbed the new guy again. And he said, <laughs> this new guy loving life. Yeah. Shit, shit day for him. Um, he had to stick his hand inside my leg and pinch close that artery with his fingers for 10 minutes until the paramedics arrived. Um, so he had, real quick. He actually has PTSD from that. So I all the guys all the, all the guys in the boat have a degree of PTSD from that day except me, which is weird. So it's your fault. Um, Legal fault. It's my, it's my fault. I know. I know. I should have, I should have known better. <sighs> but uh, Not even going to uh, touch that. So I I didn't survive. I'm dead now. Um, right? It was a rough day. Yeah. Rough um, day. It was nine, nine weeks in hospital. Uh, went through 300 donations of blood. Um, as, as fast as they were putting it into me, it was pumping back out. Um, so thank you to all blood donors out there. You're a treasure. I'm, I'm still working my way up to that 300 donation limit just Go to break there. even. Yeah. It should be mandatory yeah. after. It's like we gave you 600. Your uh, life is ours now. You owe us yep. every month. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Hit me I'm with surprised it. America, I'm surprised America's not like that, actually. I'm shocked America's not like <laughs> a lot of things right now, buddy. <laughs> oh my God. The, the, medical, the medical system bleeds you dry anyway. Why not make it literary? Well, that's why I love being in Canada. I pay $120 a month to our shitty government, and I get to go to the doctor whenever I choose. Oh, wow. We don't pay anything in Australia. It's all free. Yeah. Back to the fact, again, that yes, we get it. You're better than us. We know it, Paul. <laughs> You're just that much fucking cooler. We should it in more, really, Paul. The only, the only time we think that is when we're drinking with you. And it's only oh. about the drinking. Or Not rugby. in any other way are we better rugby. than you except for drinking. No, see, that's lies. Because I also know that's lies. I've spoken with enough of you. And I say enough of you, Australians. I'm blanking in statement in you. I've spoken with enough of you. you. You talk shit about rugby. You talk shit about drinking. What's another good one? Oh, accents. What was that you were giving me shit about at the beginning of the show about my accent? Yeah, but maybe you go. So you give shit about accents. Is there what else? What else? 
Oh, you don't allow us to hang out with you around sharks. I'm just going to go with that because I'm Canadian. <laughs> and I'm obviously not there. Hey, so I'm already hey, blaming like, you. I'm putting, I'm going to put in the effort. I told you, you just got to come up with the name. That hey, is. And which shark, which, uh, you got to choose your shark as well. And that's right, no, I, I, I know easy done. Okay. Done. Huh? Brother. What? Done. Great ways right. are my fucking spirit animal. I All want right. like, I want to work up to like, I'm, this is how like, I want to work up to free diving with them. Like that's how obsessed I am with them, They're, with everything about them, the way they eat, the way they move, the way they swim, the, their, their habits, their, the nursery. I am obsessed. Don't fucking get me started again. I thought we talked about this. I have apparently six minutes left here and I have too much to ask you. And I thought we had this conversation about the sharks. All right. We can, we can, we can stretch it on a little bit longer. Oh, I'm okay now. I'm good. In, I'm, I'm okay now, Paul. Well, no, I have work to do, but I'd like. No, you don't. This is work, brother. This is work. Listen, okay, you got attacked. You <laughs> it is now. Fuck. I know, right? That's yeah. yeah I got attacked. Fuck my friends up. Yeah, um, fucked your friends up. Ruined their life. Good job. So yeah. the new guy, does he still dive, or is he like I'm? That's I'm new and I'm I done. Think, that's it. I think I think last year he medically discharged. That's unfortunate. Yeah, another guy never dove again. I what would you though? Okay, let's yeah. be honest for a second. If if your new guy was the guy that got attacked, and then you were doing all of that, did you think he would dive again? Because I mean, you grew up in Australia. That's like in your blood. The ocean. I think is in we've your blood. I think we've established that I'm stupid, and this is how oh, okay. I got attacked by a shark. And I wanted I you to say it. I wanted shark week. I wanted to you to say it. I wanted to admit it again to make sure you you keep rubbing in the sharks. I'll keep rubbing in the fact that you're very simple. Thought process man, Paul. Yes, thank you. How did so? How did you? So you did all that. You did the healing that you needed to do. Did they discharge you from the military? Did they give you an option to stay in? They said when I was in hospital because this was such huge news worldwide and even yeah. huger in Australia that the military could not look like they were going to just snatch my job away from me. It would have looked so bad, and so the chief of navy said as long as Paul wants a job in the Navy, he'll have one. And so I don't think they realized I wanted my old job back, but that was the plan because I I never really even felt like I was in the Navy. I was in the clearance divers. It's yeah. It's totally separate. Uh, we don't we don't hang out with the Navy. No. I spent I spent two months on a on a ship in seven years. So you're 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 essentially like a, a pretend Navy man. Yeah. Seaman yeah. or whatever I, you call uh, them. Oh, that two months on the on the warship, we did an up top trip. So from Australia up above, it's up top because you go across the um, equator. It was yep. two months around Southeast Asia. They had me, the Navy guy, in the middle of the night driving the boat. And the captain or the, the MIDI or whatever it was like, Paul, can you do this on the computer system? I'm like, of nope. course. Set off the ship's alarm at two o'clock in the morning, trying to turn it off. I'm getting further and further away from the sub. <laughs> it's like when you when you when you get a new iPhone and you're like, shit, no, now it's all Chinese. Yeah. Oh, it's getting worse. Yeah, yeah, now I don't uh -huh. know what I'm clicking on. Exactly. Yep. Everyone yeah. was up out of the boat in the middle of the night. And then I had gangway duty in Singapore. No idea what that like, oh, okay, you just sit there and make sure no pirates get on the boat. So I'm in my overalls, rolled up. Sleeves rolled up, reading an FHM magazine, up, getting thirsty. There's a phone right here. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. Hey, it's DJ, <laughs> DJ up on the gangway. Can someone get me a drink? I'm going to hang it up. And I'm like, 
have a brilliant idea. And I'm like, no. can you make it apple juice? And then hang back up. Oh, what was Cap- that? Yeah. Captain of the boat sent my um my second dicky down. They're like the guy in the rank just above me from the, the divers that are on the boat. He's like, DJ, you can't use the ship's phone to make meal orders. It's not mm. what it's there for. And I'm like, ah, oh, no one told me. Like the captain came on the ship with a bunch of Singaporean other captains. I got my feet up. I'm like, g'day, boss. Because he's he's a clearance diver, and so we were in Thailand together, like getting shit lockered. He was trying to get me to stab the taxi driver in the back of the neck with his epipen. So I, I figured, I'm sorry, what? The fuck? <laughs> so him and I are like this now. So buddies. boss. And he just puts his head down. He, my friend was like, "Yeah, you just told him you're from the army. You don't know." Oh, you're special. You're one of the special yeah. kids. That was my <laughs> excuse for everything. Every time I fucked up, I'm like, "I'm sorry. I'm from the army." I, I wasn't trained properly. I was not no. trained right. No, I'm just a bubblehead. I just go underwater. That's yeah. it. That's all. That's literally it. You sound like you're underwater. You talk like you're underwater. It's like I just live underwater, and then yeah. I, I I can't be held responsible. Can I go back to the fact that your boss was trying to get you to stab somebody in the back of the neck in Singapore with a epipen? Why? Technically, it was Thailand. Um, oh, Roger and, that. And because he was, we were both really drunk, and he just oh. I don't. And he he pulled it out, and he's like, "Do it, just do it." But like, but it's an epic. I'm like, I'm like I don't. What's it gonna do? He's like, I don't know. Just do it. Like, <laughs> no, sir, stop it, sir. We got we got back to the boat, and one of the other officers had been beaten up by a bunch of transvestites and had his wallet stolen as well. Um, so when you go to Southeast Asia, I don't know if you've done it, but they have many transvestites there. We call oh, them um, shims or shemales or trannies yeah, yeah. or whatever, and they're all gorgeous but they're all about six foot one and have gigantic hands and they don't take any shit and so he got his ass kicked by four of them i think that's the best Uh, yeah so it was a wild night well just think about that for a second i mean if you were if you were decided to transition and you were the size that you are now just like think about it like if i transition to a guy i'm like five foot 110 it, no one's going, everyone's going to fuck with me. You transition to a female. How tall are you? Six foot. Yeah, exactly. Six foot, what, roughly just, just Oh, nine two. inch heels. I got the calves oh, to rock those nine inch heels. Just, yeah, yeah, because you're, you know, you're super athlete, right? So you got to rock the heels, <laughs> but you got to do, you got to do it in the, like the high, high point ones. All that you really need to do is take one of those things off. No one's going to fuck with you. Oh, no. Gonna look at you twice. No wonder they're robbing people. I'd be doing the same shit. It's easy money. Uh-huh. You you're weak looking. Yeah. Don't be weak uh-huh. looking. It's your fault. Yeah. yeah, he was a pudgy, big pudgy white man as well. So oh, and drunk. Nice. So yeah, we so we had a had a lot of fun on that trip. That was my two months uh, at sea. Yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. like it whatsoever. What a you bag of dicks. What a bag of dicks <laughs> going on the ship is. Like I'm a I'm a highly trained clearance diver, and now I'm washing a boat. And, um, they actually make you do that stuff, though. They didn't just like leave because I know when the Navy SEALs go on the ships and stuff, don't they just kind of? I mean, I'm speaking on my ass here, but don't they just like let them be? I have no idea. Uh, I haven't really worked with many of them, especially not on a ship. But um, they it's cleaning stations. You know, you got to do cleaning stations. You got to do watches. The GD duty. Gotta, yeah, okay. I think there's there's circumstances whereby you don't, you know, if we're doing dives and stuff or there's missions coming up, then you don't, you get acceptance and everyone else has to take over. But generally speaking, you're a part of the ship's crew and so you um, have to do everything. 
I'm really surprised that they didn't give you more shit for that. Cause I remember seeing an American, he did, he pulled some same shit like that when we were in Afghanistan and he was supposed to be on uh he was supposed to be watching. I think it was like the tent with the computers. Uh, Cause there was like, they had like a couple computers in there. And so I don't know if he thought that that meant like he wasn't like supposed to be in uniform, but he was in PT gear. And you know, the Americans with their fucking yellow, the yellow, whatever the those things. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. In there, just with his weapon slung and he's got his, his, uh, his board with the, like the sign and sheet. He walks by and he's like, Hey birds. And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? He's like, Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm dealing with this today. So I'm standing here. And so I'm like, I'm, I shit you not 15 minutes later, he's over full kit, ready to go outside the wire, doing push ups and squats because in uh, his office, there was just fucking, it's 55 degrees. He just uh, into him. He just sweating bags. And I look at him and he's like, don't look at me. Like if I say one word, uh, he's going to get it. We don't do that to each other. The clearance diving branch is a very insular, very tight knit group, um, and so they, they, they really do stuff like that to us. Uh, we we get quietly boned in. You guys oh. use that term, bone in? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I, we, they, get, we don't use it, but I know what it means. Yes, I understand. Yeah. We get a lot of leeway, um, so yeah. we we part of our uniform is pirate rig. Now we'll just yeah. chuck on a, a camo shirt and a pair of short khaki steve Irwin shorts and that's uniform yeah, it, i was lucky, gonna say <laughs> it's lucky we're not in speedos really all the time i'm not i'm going to speak for somebody that i know is a huge fan of you and her and her husband watch you actively but she straight up says on a regular basis like i will leave you for him <laughs> so i think she would i think she would literally like pay you to to wear a speedo just to stand on a boat, she would have been like, "Why do they need uniforms? That All is right. a uniform." All right, I'll, just for her, I'll wear speedos in my next shoot. I'm going. I'm headed okay. to Australia in March. Uh, we're going to. I get. They're going to have me jumping out of a helicopter into shark infested waters off the Gold Coast with bull sharks and great whites and tigers. and all that sort of crazy business. So, um, I'll 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 rock a pair of speedos just for her. I'm going to fucking send you a Speedo with brass and unity on the back end. And that way I'll know you're telling me the truth. Because if I don't see that shit, I'm going to be pissed. You actually have those? I fucking can make anything. <laughs> hey, if you can make wallet belts. You're, it's you, need to come up with a, you need to come up with a name for wallet belts. That, like, oh. to, like we don't say I'm going to go and search engine brass and unity. You say I'm going to go Google search and uh, so you need like a, a name that becomes what it is. Oh, what, what, that is my company name. What are you talking about? No, but but the thing, like so. Oh, the wallet chain, like Brass and Unity yeah, wallet so chain. Yeah, so Brass and Unity, I'm sure you probably make a bunch of different stuff, but you need to create a name for a wallet chain. Like what? what is its core at its soul? What can you call it? Well, there's a bullet attached to it. Can you help me? I thought you were good at names. I thought, okay, here's the deal. Oh, no, I'll tell you what. Have you ever been to Australia? No. Have you that's seen my the names dream. That we call our places? We're terrible at naming things. I know, but I, here's the thing. I'll make you a deal. You name my wallet chain and I'll name the episode that I get to be on. All right. All right. I'll get back to you. Yeah. Well, I'll believe it when I see it, my friend. <laughs> I, I don't say to... shit I don't do, brother. Yeah, me neither. Never. Right, it's called, a, it's called, a, I'm going to name it after a town in Australia. It's called a Wodonga. Done. We're calling it a Wodonga. Tally, the new wallet chain's called the Wodonga. Yeah, that's Beautiful. the people outside of See? there. And trust me, they yeah. hear things. 
Um, I, I want to know. Stop it, Paul. You're distracting me. I want to know how the hell discovery came to you when it came to like what? Because I know, like, obviously, all the attention that happened with the sharks, all the things that happened. I, I can understand that. That tracks. That makes sense. You left the military because they you wouldn't be doing obviously what I'm assuming is what you wanted to, which is clearance diving, yeah, like the real yeah. the real thing. I, I was just instructing. I went back after six months. I went back as an instructor. Did it for mm-hmm. three years. Hated it. Just teaching people to do something that I love doing without ever getting to do it myself. And so I was like, but I but I wasn't gonna just blanket leave with nothing in the in the chamber. You know, a lot of that people just go, you know, so many of my friends, I was always curious about what they're gonna do when they get out. And they say, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm leaving. I'm like, what are you gonna do? And they're like, oh, I'm gonna work it out when I get there. I'm like, so no. fucking terrible idea. <laughs> it's horrible. So, you're gonna be homeless, man. Yeah. And so um previous to that, I had started speaking. I'd been saying no to a lot of companies in the oh, okay. early days. But then a cancer camp for kids came along and asked me to speak to the kids. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll, how do you say I'm no? I'm already fucking involved in kids, yeah. so I fit right in, mate. Yeah, oh, that's, that's terrible. That's terrible. I'm a horrible person. <laughs> Sorry. All right, you got time to make it up. Uh, I know. I'm, working, I'm so working on it, okay? I went and did that, and I felt ridiculous that I was terrified of these 20 kids with cancer. You know, they didn't all have cancer. There was a guy... It was a 19-year-old guy. He went to sleep one night, woke up three months later. He had meningococcal, and he lost both of his hands and both of his feet. And so it really put a lot into perspective for me that this kid hasn't even lived, and he's already gone through this. And I'm like, I'm, I can never complain. I, going back to deploying in a third-world nation and seeing that the way that they lived and how happy they still were just to be safe and have their families. And I always look back on all the things that I've done to give me a better appreciation of what I had in, in especially the worst of times when I'm down or something. And so thinking of these kids really changes my perception on day-to-day life. But I walked out of there on top of the, on top of the world. I felt so good. I was so happy. And I thought, maybe I can do this. And I, after that, I went to my old school, did 1,200 children there, um, killed it. I so you just spoke to 1,200 children, Paul. I did. I did not. I did. Tw- <laughs> I spoke you did to not 12, do 1,200 children, Paul. You spoke to 1,200 children. I thought we went over this. Oh, God. I know. You're the, the depth of depravity of your mind. Oh, it gets out of control real quick, brother. I only ever served with men. I've only ever worked with men. And now I only have an office filled with dirty-minded women. Oh, so, yeah. Women are way worse than men. Oh, we're horrible. Yeah. When I got kicked oh. out of home, I lived with girls for two years. They're terrible. Get back on track here. Um, what were we talking about? So we're talking about you went and you saw these amazing kids, the 1,200. You didn't do them. You spoke to them. Oh, yeah. Then I, then I started – I, I spoke to 1,200 kids and it was freaking amazing. You could have heard a pin yeah. drop. And and that was that was like the, the stepping stone into this new career. And I, that was when I went to my boss at the dive school and I said, hey, boss, what what's the chances of me going back to the teams? And he said, look, yeah. under this current administration, basically zero. And so then and there, I decided to leave my security blanket, which was terrifying because the only thing I knew before that was being poor and making And a rapper. Yeah. So I figured I'm going, you know what? Every big, scary decision that I've ever made, um, leaving home, my hometown, moving to Brisbane, leaving there and joining the army, striking out to the clearance drivers, everything, every big, scary decision has always worked out 
amazing. It's been life-changing as long as I threw myself into it wholeheartedly. So I thought, I just have to do that. I just, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave here, I'm gonna start speaking, and I'm just gonna, you know, what's the worst gonna happen? I'll I'll get a pension and I'll move to Bali and live like a king. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're right there too. Oh my yeah. God, it's like a puddle yeah. jump for you. I know, I know. But if you, the thing is, in an Australian military, if you get a pension and you work, you don't get your pension. And so I'm like, I'm 75. I'm only 75 percent disabled according to the VA, um, but I don't get any of my pension because I actually work. My brother is 100 percent disabled with PTSD, and he gets 100 percent of his base wage from the army because he uh, takes his kids surfing in the morning and trains for triathlons. <laughs> yeah, I I was medically discharged, so I know this this percentage. I'm considered you ready. Yeah, ninety two percent. Oh wow, you're more than me. Yeah, buddy. And I wow. got this. What the fuck is this? How I can do this. I got this. Okay, I'm really jealous because my. Oh wait, try it again. I got it. I got. It. I can kind of do it. Oh fuck. I can't be it's, friends it's, with somebody cooler I'm pretty, than me. I'm pretty sure it's got lasers in there, but I don't know how to turn them on. Fucking laser beams? My God, my kid would think you're goddamn Iron Man if I showed him that. Oh, <laughs> You'd be like, Mommy, how do I get the laser beams in my arms? Yeah, yeah. Well, sharks, sharks, sharks. And laser beams. Yeah, let's just terrify. <laughs> That's the name of the episode, Sharks, sharks. and Laser Beams. <laughs> how is that not the coolest episode? Oh, my God. Um, so you decided to speak. That took and then, off. Oh, that's right. How did how did I get to Discovery Channel? This was a really around about well, Discovery Channel. Nobody wants to know what you tell everybody else. People uh, want to know okay. you in, in a weird nitty gritty. And this is what I'm good at making you go off track and tangents. So give them to me. You are you are good at that. I'll give you that. Um, it, it, this has been a good podcast interview. I haven't been doing any for a long time because I'm so sick of myself. <laughs> I'm so so sick of my stupid story because I've told it so many times. But this has been fun. This has been different. So good for you. Because it was golf fun. <laughs> so get the fucking you, Chad. Yeah, you did yeah, all yeah. right. I don't want to answer your email, but great job, Chad. You did okay. I, you know, um, I, I I can understand that though. Being sick, I can appreciate that. I totally can appreciate that, and that makes a lot of sense. But I think you've got more to. T- I think you've got more more useful information than you than you lead on maybe in your speaking engagements or in your book like i mean you you have to tell that story it's the same when i get asked mine yeah. it's things and don't you change. have a, fi- a finite amount of time where you need to right. jam all of the important stuff into it and then that becomes repetitive and so you just start going on a loop and going on automatic and you start to forget all the superfluous stuff and then you it also- actually does have meaning and you actually lose the emotion when you're telling that story, the thing that connects oh, to yeah. people the most, you kind of, you go on a repeat. It's like when I go to a yeah. trade show, I did this, I did that. This is who I am. Buy this. Don't blah, blah, blah. It's a painful thing. So I can respect it. But when you, when you started doing these conversations with people and people started resonating with your story and you started having these speaking engagements, was it, um, was it Nagio or, or discovery that approached you and were like, Hey, we think you're cool. It was, it, it was first it was 60 minutes um oh yeah i read that so that's i did right, 60 minutes right. one year and then before like as i was leaving hospital then i did it the year when i was going back to work at the dive school and they did a follow-up and that was where they took me to fiji and introduced me to bull sharks and i ended up feeding one by hand and so that kind of sparked my interest into the shark realm as well 
And then Discovery Channel came along and they just asked for an interview. That was it because they were doing wow. a, a, sh a show on shark survival stories. They asked for an interview. Uh, I ended up, they wanted to do a recreation. I ended up doing my own reenactment and they're all like, what the fuck is this guy? <laughs> You're in like, the, I want to feel it again. Yeah, <laughs> in the same spot too. Um, you... And so that, I think, I guess they liked that interview. They flew me out to LA that year for Shark Week to do the live talk show that I have yeah. at the end of every night, Shark After yeah. Dark. And um, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to be in America. I'm going to be on TV. So I got all dolled <laughs> up. Yeah, I had like a nice press white shirt and a tie and some nice slacks. And um, the, I, I ended up miss, uh, dating Miss Delaware from the Miss USA pageant for two years after that because she saw me on TV. Well, actually, her twin sister, triple, her identical triplet sister, saw me and was triplet? interested. She, yeah, she's a triplet. Um, so we ended up, yeah, so that was worthwhile. I got to date Miss Delaware there's for two years. And a, so uh, many things. So there's so many said. things. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So then you lived in the States. You stayed in the States? No, I was, I was <laughs> back in Australia. Um, yep. The next year, they they asked, they sent me an email asking me if I would be interested in co-hosting one, and I was like, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> that was, that yeah, was right. It was kind of a fallback because they already had a show that they were shooting and they had scientists and all that sort of stuff. But the the device that they were going to use it was called Great White Matrix. They were going to put a shark into this setup sort of thing, and it, as soon as they put it into the water, it all fell apart. You know, as yeah. soon as you try and put some mechanical thing in the ocean, the ocean's going to try and destroy it. It doesn't and like so, it. Yeah, it did. And so the producer of the um, the show had to recreate a whole story for this show. And oh so God. he he knew about me and just contacted me, asked if I'd like to be involved. I was like, hell yeah, no dramas. And so. Hell yeah, no dramas. <laughs> First great, first great white I'd ever seen. Uh, the cameraman got in the water with it off the coast of Australia. It was just a baby, and I'm like, I'm just thinking, this is insane. This this fucking crazy guy is getting in the water with a great white shark, and yeah. no, just him and his camera. I'm like, who who does this shit? I'm like, Hold I want to do this shit. Hold <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and oh so I just. I guess I was used to being in front of the camera um, because it came off well. The next year they offered me another show, then another show. And um, I was doing a lot of speaking at this point. And um, Nat Geo offered me my own show. And yeah. Um, oh, uh, previous to that, Xbox offered me my own show. Um, so that was going to be, I, so I, I went out to America because I'm thinking, I love this TV stuff. I'm good at speaking. I yep. met with the production company. They said, Hey, we've got this great show. We'd like you to host. Um, and it's called fearless. And we're going to embed you with a group or some people all around the world that are risking their lives to make the world a better place. I'm like, I love it. Let's fucking do it. So I we know. pitched it. The last meeting was with Xbox. They loved it. Uh, they gave us 600 grand to shoot a pilot and the next wow. uh, two months later I'm on my way to Africa to go and hunt poachers. Um, I want to talk about that. Incredible experience. I got to work with uh, Damien Manda who is – he was a clearance diver as well, special forces sniper, 12 tours of Iraq, um, training the military out there as a PMC. Just one of the most hardcore dudes you have ever met, a living legend. He started the International Anti-Poaching Foundation out of Zimbabwe. And so I got to go out there and, and train with his rangers. Um, you should have seen the looks on their face when I came I out. I can PT. only imagine. <laughs> I, I, got a, 
I got a running blade on and a robot arm and it was hilarious. I love the blades. I can only, this is what I, I, I can genuinely picture it. And so I appreciate it. Just running through like the tall grass, like a fucking gazelle. Just <laughs> see, you see like the carbon fiber tips just coming up. Yeah. <laughs> Who is it? Fucking bionic Iron Man? Like this isn't fair. Uh, yeah. So anyway. Anyway, that that we yeah. did that show. It was amazing. It was going to be an incredible series. Uh, we handed it in, all done, and Xbox executives decided not to do television, and so that just phew, disappeared into the ether. Um, oh. Then, like a year and a half, two years later, um, I'd broken up with Miss Delaware because I'd been out to America. <laughs> we call her Miss Delaware. Yeah. Look, she was, she was amazing. The most beautiful girl I've ever dated in my life. I'm sure she was absolutely yeah. fantastic. Just you know, some, some insecurity issues there that drove us apart. It's always yeah. the pretty ones. Um, mm -hmm. And so, but every time I came out to America to have meetings, I just felt this sense of like anything is possible here. It's, it's such freedom and opportunity and everyone <laughs> was so nice and it's so beautiful out in LA. And I was like, oh, because obviously I'm drawn to the water. So yeah. it, the, the people watching down on Venice Boulevard, there's nothing it's like the it in the world. Oh, no. my God. It's incredible. I so know. I'm like, I got to do this. I can't go through this fighting at home anymore. There's too much to do. There's too much opportunity. Went home, got rid of the house, moved into an Airbnb, Gave the dog to my mom and just trying to move. Yeah, mom, she loved, she loved it. Yeah. Pretend here's it's a, me. Here's the 90-pound Great Dane Cross. Yeah, Take it's it. perfect. Enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, right? Um, it's not messy or knocks anything over at all. No, no, it doesn't drool anywhere. Nope. Um, <laughs> and so I'm living in this Airbnb at Bondi Beach, getting ready to move. And I'm, I've got like a three-month tourist visa. So I'm just going to like three months in America, I'm going to see what I can do. Try it out. Oops. Before I leave, uh, a producer for Nat Geo calls me and says, Paul, I want you to host a shark series. It's your show. I'm like, he's like, do you want it? I'm like, hell yeah, I want it. He's like, all right, it's yours. Don't fuck this up. My managers like go to Discovery Channel out of courtesy and say, Paul's got this show with Nat Geo. The boss at Discovery Channel says, if Paul goes and works at Nat Geo, he will never work at Discovery Channel again. Competition. Like, why would you do that to me? This yeah. is my life and my career. Yeah, this you don't just I'm, get to, yeah. Like, what, why? So I got stuck in this horrible tug of war where I'm going to upset the, the people that have offered me my own show, everything I was working towards, or I'm going to upset the people that gave me my shot and that have become friends and family. And so I just relinquished all control. And I talked to everyone and got advice from everyone, and everyone said stay with Discovery Channel. I left it with my managers, and we ended up staying with Discovery. And uh, they gave me a two-year contract. I negotiated right. a working visa in there. Um, <clears throat> and so I moved out to America, and um, I, for 18 months I bounced back and forth because I still had a lot of speaking work in Australia that I needed that money to prop up my, my stay in, in America. And so I did that trip the 14 hour trip probably 18 times in two years oh uh, okay so you got yeah. some miles yeah i had a, a car in australia and a car in la and all my shit had to live in that and that was that was it i was a gypsy for two years so that, that was that was that was it was good but it was rough at the same time having no roots it was well, i finally got rid of all my speaking work in Australia and rented an apartment and like hanging stuff up in a real closet. It's a real house. Yeah. I'm doing it. I'm a, I'm a real boy. Well, kind yeah, of. Mostly, mostly. mostly. There's, there's, some 
there's some metal bits. Um, but it just it's turned into a whole career now. Um, I get I love speaking on stage, especially out here in America, because like I, I love Australia. I love speaking out there, but they're Australians and they're very very laid back. You, I speak out here like I I never not had a standing ovation. And it doesn't surprise me. Laugh and cry. No one in America has passed out either. In Australia, I had 68 people pass out from showing them the surgery photos and the footage of me getting attacked by the That's shark. the best. 65 men, only three women. Yeah. So no Americans have passed out. Standing ovations every time. <laughs> no I love Americans. it. Everyone gets into it. It's so much fun. I get to, and obviously it's all virtual now, and I absolutely yeah. hate that. I can't wait to get back on stage. But now I, I get to film, I get to travel the world. I'm so lucky. I get to swim with sharks. I've done great whites at 110 feet, no cage, four 14-foot male great whites, Ronda, teaching Ronda Rousey how to hand feed bull sharks, I introducing, introducing Will Smith and Mike Tyson to sharks in the Bahamas. Just the simple fact that I get to dive with sharks in the Bahamas is, is amazing. It's ridiculous, itself. yeah. But then I get to work with these incredible, like, living legends. Yeah. This is little fucking Paul de Gelder from small town Australia that used to slash his arms up as I was a self-harmer as well out of depression and frustration and now I'm traveling the world working with celebrities and incredible people just building what I believe life is supposed to be a, a story so great that when you go to your deathbed you have no regrets and you're ready to go just like I was the first time you, you, you're kind of that person that I hoped that um, <clears throat> that you would be. I, I really hoped that I was going to get an honest and open you and not the conversation you give when people pay you hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because I'll be honest, I don't have it, man. And uh, <laughs> I, I just I try to go off of the, you know, the fucking amazing good looks I have. I don't know. It's how I book people. Listen, I'm not. I try really hard to be open and honest and very forward, raw and blunt about it. And, I, and that's why I think I've just totally fallen in love with the not even the speaking side of you not the the fucking cool guy nat geo iron man the person that you just are and just the way that you talk and like the genuine like passion but you know not just the passion but like the positivity like just having that conversation with you it feels it feel i i feel invigorated more than I've ever had with conversations with anybody else. And I think that's because you are this, this kid who struggled with some serious, serious things when he was young. You are this kid who, who, I don't know if you were open and public about it, but you know, the self-harm and things like that. I don't know if you've spoken about that before, but there are so many people that that resonates with because that is a constant daily struggle, whether it's mentally, physically, self-harm, suicidal thoughts, depression on a new level. Like that is a thing that as our society is kind of going through right now in, in a way that only I truly feel military personnel, um, ex-soldiers, you know, ex-police uh, officers and firefighters have always felt and always been subject to. But now you're kind of bringing it to the forefront of just regular society and showing people that this is something we go through, have been always struggling with. I continue to struggle with it up until this point. I was able to like literally lose two limbs to a bump in the night that lives in the water and suck it up, get back in the water, show that it doesn't have to kill me, defeat me, break me, do whatever you want to call it. It doesn't have to be that. And then also just be the genuine person you are. Like I... I respect that more than you can imagine. I appreciate that more than you can imagine. And I know 
for a fact that our listeners are going to go bananas. I mean, not because you're going to wear the Speedo and I'm going to hold you to it or the fact that we're going to do a shark week together, but because you care so much about what you do and it's not that you just care about you and making money and your speaking roles. You care about the conservation of our oceans, our animals, and what is most important to keep our world going round. You take the time out of your day to put yourself forward, put yourself in harm's way to learn, to educate and make sure that people know what they're doing is damaging our oceans and damaging our population of animals, whether in Africa or due to any poaching. So I think what people are going to take from this is you're really fucking cool. I'm only going to say it once. So don't, don't get it again. You're not going to get it again. Um, That's all right. I don't believe it anyway. It's all right. I'll just, I won't tell you in that way, but I'll just, I'll just start, I'll just start throwing sticky notes at the, when I send you emails, you're so fucking cool, Paul, remember it. (laughs) But I I won't, I won't tell you again. Um, You, you have really brought light to a lot of things. Uh, I think that um, the regular, you know, podcasters or the regular uh, mental health advocates don't bring in that is that, uh, you know, adapt, improvise and overcome. And I think that comes from your military lifestyle. And I think you've been able to translate it over to civilian population so that they can understand. And I feel like that's a rare, rare thing to get this side of the community to really translate to, you know, general civilian society and, and, and really show them that there are more than just, you know, shark attack survivors they, they you can be more than just the guy that came from a small town you can you can be the person who made mistakes when they were young you can be that but you can also better yourself and be a better person and continue to be a better person for the rest of the world and i i'm very um i'm very humbled by you i'm very grateful for you and i'm grateful that you're you know have the the no sense or the big balls to be doing what you're doing because it's it's going to make the difference in the way that we look at our ecosystem and how we manage uh moving forward with our society and i'm just i'm thankful for that paul and i I guess in conjunction i'm thankful for you i guess or whatever (laughs) thanks mate (laughs) i I appreciate that it's that's very nice of you to say it's um yeah it's it's a great career i love doing it it has meaning it has value it has purpose um, teaching people about sharks, about why they're important, uh, how they protect our oceans, and how if we protect our oceans, we're ultimately protecting ourselves because it all everything that we do in the environment eventually ripples down to us, and we're really just kicking ourselves in our own ass when we're destroying things, when we're killing animals. When we're like, I, I I don't um, push my veganism on anyone at all. Like I. Like I'm not that sort of guy. I'm a, like the quiet achiever. I like to people get like to let people get to know me, and then when we get talking, they're like somehow it comes up. I don't bring it up. Um, you shove it down their throat. I, yeah, like I did just bring it up, but it, it's important to me because <laughs> but it's important to me because no, I, agree. I don't I don't like to be a hypocrite. And when I was working with Damien in Africa, that was the start of it. I saw him eating from a separate bowl and I'm like, oh, this motherfucker is eating the good meat and giving the shit to the rangers. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm vegan. I'm like, what the, what the fuck is a vegan? What does that even mean? Yeah, yeah, what does it mean? And so he planted the seed in my head by saying, look, I was going out protecting the animals and then I was coming home and I was eating the animals. I felt like a hypocrite. And I thought, well, I hate hypocrites. They were always the worst leaders in the military. I can't stand them. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to lead by example. And so I thought, okay, all right, I'm going to do this too. Um, And so I just don't believe that I can be a fully-fledged conservationist trying to protect the oceans and sharks while 
creating damage and harm by supporting these industries that are destroying our planet at the same time. And so I'm I'm all in for it. I, I love what I do. I love teaching people. I, I love you know the the messages I get from the kids, all the crazy notes. And you know, I, I I wrote a book in Australia. I didn't actually make it out here, but like you said, I had a lot of people in the street coming up to me saying, you know, I, I was a self harmer and I thought I was alone. And I appreciate what you wrote about because it made me feel like I'm not abnormal. Um, so uh, at the moment, I'm actually rewriting it. I'm going through the second last copy edit now uh, because it finished in 2012. And so there's all these Shark League stories. Yeah, you got some the like... First one. Yeah, so I'm rewriting it with a, another veteran, actually. You you might actually like talking to him. He uh, runs a podcast too called Veteran State of Mind. He's, um, yeah, I would he's, love to have a chat. He's Welsh. He's friends with Nate as well. Um, oh, yeah, that community's tight, man. I'm learning. Yeah, he, I'm learning. <laughs> He knows all the guys, but um, he's in Wales. He's a ex-squatty that um, went to Iraq and Afghanistan as well. Runs Veteran State of Mind. He, he's a great interviewer like you with the military humour. I caught Just, that. You know, yeah, he's very disarming. You know, like you, you lull people into a sense of security whereby you can just give parts of yourself. And so I think you guys would have a really good conversation. I, hey, I'm I'm I would I would be thrilled to talk to anybody in your realm because it seems like the people you surround yourself with are the people that I surround type of people I like to surround myself with, and that is those that give selflessly, that do the work, that want to do the work, but are also willing to be honest about their mistakes and their openness and the shit that they've done, and and because I think that's the only way people really learn. You can tell somebody not to do something, but until they've seen the ramifications of what that really means to do. Nobody can truly understand. So if nobody shares what happened to them or how it happened to them or why it happened to them, nobody's going to learn from anything. It's yeah. just going to continue yeah. like the new Navy. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah. I don't know, um, Paul. I'm just, I'm fucking stoked for your book though. I'm going to want a copy of it. Oh, Get over yeah. it. Um, so the reason I brought up Garain Jez from yeah. State of Mind is because he helped me write it because he's a, he's a New York Times bestselling ghostwriter for James Patterson. He's done his own book, Brothers in Arms. He's done three fictional historical fictions about Rome and the gold. Incredible writer. So he helped me write it. Uh, it should be out for my birthday, end of March. It's called Uncaged. Um, okay. And it's going to have all the old stories, but then all the new ones. And I'm not, I'm just, I don't know if I'm going to publish or what. Penguin decided they didn't want to reprint the old one. So I'm just going to do my own. Yeah. <laughs> but, How can uh, you yeah, not want to be, are you, that's the stupidest mistake they're making. Oh my um, God, that is such an idiot mistake. I, I'll tell them. I, I try not to get too wrapped around the axle about all that sort of stuff and just focus God, on the things so that I can control. Fuck. God damn it. <laughs> I got so much to learn from you. Oh, really? Ew. Right. Ew. <laughs> Ew. I don't learn from the fucking, like, what do we call you? Your pumpkin spice. Oh, that's your new nickname. Pumpkin spice. I'm going intro yes. to introduce you as P.S. for now on. And people are going to be like, who is this? And they're going to be like, you need to you know, listen to chat with P.S. And then you're going to show up and be like, that's fucking Paul. And I'll be like, hey, <laughs> we had this conversation. I thought we were are all. You in, are you you're based out of Canada? Yeah, yeah. I'm in Vancouver. Oh, cool. I love Canadian girls. You can introduce me to your single friends. Oh, I can hook you up. I got some friends that would die <laughs> to meet right. you, brother. All right. Well, I'm, I'm single, so. Okay. I can do that. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to, after this, I'm going to send, I'm going to send you a long email. I'm going to get your email from the people. I'm going to send you a long email and there's going to be stipulations. I, Kelsey Sharon, 
We'll hook you up with X, Y, and Z. In the condition <laughs> of that, 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 that. I'm going to sign that shit. I'm be like, here you go, Paul. I'll get you a wife, but there's other things I need. But, but more importantly, I need that uh, shark episode name. So we can – actually, I, I run shark diving trips. You can always come on. Like I take tourists out to Guadalupe. Me and Joe Romero from Shark Week. Yep. It's five yep. days on a boat. We got a hot tub on the boat. It's all free booze, all free food. Cage diving for three days straight with the biggest great whites in the world. We got a trip coming up in October. That's too far away, Paul. <laughs> all right. I am uh, not a waiter. Like I'll tell you for example. Do you want to hear an example? Right, okay. Right. Hold on. I'm gonna give you an example. I'm gonna turn this podcast off because I'm gonna leave you all wanting more with Paul. And because I'm gonna make him come back on the show. And I'm gonna turn off right now and then I'm gonna continue talking to him about something. So, Paul, is there anything I need to know or my listeners need to know besides that you have a badass new book coming out that you've got, you know, you're going down to film an incredible week of Shark Week. You've got March set up. You're going to dive with some serious cageless. Yeah. Okay. I think we're doing one cage dive just to suss out the scenario. And then you never know what you're going to get there. The tigers, great whites, bull sharks, jumping out of helicopters into the ocean. It's going to be action packed. And then I've still got two more shows to shoot before this year's Shark Week in June. Oh July. my gosh. So you're a so, busy guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's gonna be awesome. I don't know. They every year Discovery Channel tries to kill me. So I'm just waiting to find out how they're gonna do it this year. Well, it's okay. They can find out this year. I'll give them some tips. <laughs> awesome. It'll be all right, brother. It'll be all, all right. right. Okay, guys. Well, everyone say bye to Paul. We'll have him back on a gun. Thank you so much for coming on the Brass Immunity Podcast. And uh, we're out. Pleasure, mate. Okay. <laughs>